Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. Hey guys, my name is Jill McGoffin and I am a birth and postpartum doula located just outside of Los Angeles, California. And I am here with my very good friend and peer, Lauren Bradbury. Hi, Jill. Hello. Today we're going to talk a little bit about giving birth and having a baby while single. That's right. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a birth and postpartum doula. I also teach childbirth education and I'm a placenta encapsulation specialist. I'm also located in Los Angeles in the Valley and I serve the greater Los Angeles area. Awesome. So basically we do a lot. We do a lot of everything, um, birth, pregnancy, labor, afterwards. That's right. Doulas are um, a coach, a teacher, a guide. We're advocates. We um, cover the whole spectrum of pregnancy and birth. Yep, we do. So today we're going to talk a lot about being pregnant while single. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you and I have both supported single parents while going through their birthing journey, and it's an amazing experience, but it does come with a lot of challenges, Um, a little bit more so than the typical pregnancy, which already has its challenges. So today we'd like to talk a lot about how to navigate Pregnancy and birth. Um, Let's talk about planning for pregnancy. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of ways to become a single parent. Some of the people we've served are single parents by choice. Um, There's lots of fertility treatments available for someone who wants to become a single parent intentionally. There is IUI that can be done at home. It can be done sometimes by a midwife or at a doctor's office. Could you tell me what IUI means? I mean, you know, I know, but let's explain it. Yeah. IUI is um, a process where um, they track your ovulation via transvaginal ultrasounds, and then your sperm donor provides a sample. They wash the sperm and then insert it into your uterus at the time of predicted ovulation. So it takes a little bit of the guesswork out of getting pregnant. Okay. And it's one of the cheaper methods of... Yeah. Most places I think are are charging around $1,000 to $1,500 for IUI. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. There's also IVF, which is definitely a more expensive option, but IUI success rates aren't as high. So some parents may need to go through IVF, which is a longer process but it has much better success rates. Okay. And, you know, thinking about just preparing for all of this, I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort to kind of figure out that that is the 
the future that you want for you. And it's a lot of planning and expense, but also it's a lot of just emotional kind of getting through all of those hurdles and stuff to come to a place where you're comfortable having a baby on your own. Yeah, it's definitely a very brave choice. And uh, there's a huge emotional roller coaster when it comes with fertility treatment. Just because you make that choice doesn't mean it will happen for you right away. Yeah. But hopefully it will happen eventually. And of course, there's lots of single parents who may find themselves pregnant and having, you know, a romantic relationship end and facing the journey of single parenthood, maybe not so much by choice or not what they had expected. And if that happens to you, don't panic, right? There is support out there. You may find a doula extremely beneficial in that circumstance. So let's talk about support because I I think it's really beneficial that before you even go on this journey of becoming pregnant, you really should lay the foundation down of how you are going to be supportive, supported, excuse me, and supportive of of your journey because it takes a lot within yourself to be diligent and um, focused to even go through this process. It's not an easy one, especially alone. Definitely. And so you need to find your village, right? That's sort of the first step. Um, Especially when you're thinking about giving birth, having a birth partner is really important. And that person doesn't need to be a romantic partner. That could be hired support like a doula, or it could be a close friend or a relative or a parent. Um, It could be anyone you want, but I do recommend that everybody have a dedicated support person. So you're not just relying on hospital staff or your midwife to be your only supporter during birth. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, you know, on that note, let's talk about picking your provider because that's that's a huge process in itself. It sure is. I mean, I know a lot of my clients will start out with one provider and they end up with another one just because you think that you are aligned with that medical provider only to come to find out that that person really isn't who you want in your birth scene. And some of the things that they're saying and they're doing just don't align with what you're trying to do. And that's fully okay, right? I mean, you have every opportunity and right to choose your own provider and to switch if needed. But it's really important that you choose a provider that is aware of your situation, that supports it, and will be available if you have questions and concerns. Absolutely. It's a good idea to reflect on how you feel after your visits with your care provider. If you feel belittled or shamed for your choices, you should probably think about finding someone else. So why don't we talk about who the different providers are that can Mm -hmm. support pregnant people. So most states have midwives and there's two different types of midwives. There's certified nurse midwives. They typically practice in hospitals, but Mm -hmm. occasionally they practice out of hospitals. And then there's also licensed midwives or certified professional midwives. And those um, titles can be sort of interchangeable depending on what state you're in. And they usually do out of hospital birth. Yeah, which is, a you know, it's a big decision to make when you're considering how you want to give birth in what setting, because, you know, majority of people today still use hospitals for their birth. They feel, and we'll talk about this, they feel like it's safer. Um, Obviously, you know, there are some definite pros to giving birth in a hospital, Mm -hmm. like pain medication and things like that, a NICU. Um, However, you know, there are wonderful reasons to choose an out-of-hospital birth. Um, And picking your midwife, you need to determine if if you want in-hospital or out, definitely for your midwife. But there are wonderful certified midwives that work in hospitals. Yeah, lots of hospitals have like a built-in midwifery program. Kaiser Permanente is Mm -hmm. a big healthcare provider in California, and they have a pretty well-integrated midwifery program. And when it comes to out-of-hospital births, you might feel that you're getting a little bit more of a tender approach with a midwife. 
they're definitely there for more of the birth for a longer amount of time than an OBGYN would be. Your prenatal visits with them are going to be quite a bit longer. There's a lot more time for relationship building. And if you're a single parent, you may really want that. Yeah. Um, however, I think the fear of the pain of childbirth is a huge factor for people. Absolutely. And so if you already know that you want an epidural to be part of your birth, which many people do, then giving birth in the hospital might be a better choice for you. Absolutely. And it's also a cost factor, right? Because, you know, insurance does cover a lot of the pregnancy related care in hospital and in a doctor's office. However, if you do go outside of the hospital, maybe some of your insurance will cover um, a birth center or, or home birth, but chances are you're going to be paying quite a lot out of pocket. Yes. And the, the problem with, with out of hospital birth is it's usually an upfront cost, right? You have to cover mm -hmm. all of it. And then it's a gamble how much you'll be getting back in the end. Whereas with the hospital birth, it's a little bit more predictable. Along with midwifery care, there's also the option of having an OB. Yes. But, you know, let's be real. OBs, OBs these days are overbooked and they spend about five to 15 minutes with you each visit. Yeah, I believe I heard somewhere that the allotted amount of time for each visit is seven minutes. That's total bullshit, in my opinion. <laughs> I just, it's so wrong. So, you know, you're already going through so much as a parent-to-be, or I consider you a parent as soon as you get pregnant, yeah. right? Um, but to be single and going in there and having all your questions answered, you really need to find a provider that's going to be willing to sit with you and kind of go over everything. Yeah. And you know, let, well, not everybody has the option to change providers, right? Some people yeah. are on Medicaid. So let's talk about some strategies on how to get the best care. If you are in a situation where you don't have a lot of choice, one thing that you can do is write down your questions ahead of time. It's extremely hard to self-advocate in those situations. And so having a few questions each visit literally on a piece of paper in your pocket or on yeah. your phone so you can make sure to ask them. And another thing that you can do is schedule an extra visit with your doctor that isn't on the typical schedule. See if they can see you one more time and have that visit be just about the questions that you want answered. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea to get a sense of how your doctor typically cares for pregnant people during labor and birth. And that way you're not in for a surprise in the delivery room. Absolutely. And I sometimes tell my clients to email the doctor the questions in advance. That's a great idea. Yeah. So they have them and they've had a chance to research them, or at least, you know, you've given them the opportunity to do that and you kind of see, you know, where they're at and if they've reviewed them. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way of, of developing rapport with your doctor and seeing if that doctor is someone that you want to be with for the rest of your pregnancy. Um, also, I think it's a great idea to maybe ask a good friend or a family member to go with you to the appointment. It doesn't have to be someone, the same person each time, mm -hmm. but just having the extra support there for that visit, I think is so important because, you know, there's so much going on that you might forget something or you might not hear everything that's being said, but you have someone that is going to be the extra set of ears to kind of help you, you know, remind you of what was said. Absolutely. Even as a doula, a trained advocate, I struggle to advocate for myself in my own visits. So just having someone who's a friend, even if they don't even say anything, just knowing that they're there can make you feel a little bit more confident and they can mm -hmm. help you sort of download and process any information you receive during that visit because your memory might not be as clear. Sometimes as doulas, we have clients tell us things that their doctor said and we help them interpret it a yeah, little bit. Sometimes definitely. it can be a little bit confusing their yeah. own retelling of it because it's hard um, to understand all the medical jargon as well. Absolutely. So, you know, in planning for birth, 
It's very important, obviously, like we've said, to get your community, but there are resources out there that you can seek to help you with this experience. And I think it's time that we talk about having a doula. Yeah. What do doulas do? Exactly. Right? Yes. So you tell I me. Mean, so when, I, when someone asks me what a doula is, the first thing they're assuming is that I'm some hippie that's going to light candles and, you know, incense and pray that to the moon goddess that, you know, the birth will happen on this day and blah, blah, blah. And that's not me, right? I am not that person. I'm 50-50. I will pop a Xanax and meditate at the same time. <laughs> there are doulas that are very hippie and there are ones like me or completely Western mm-hmm. that just support, advocate, educate, yeah. and be that person, that constant person to be right by their side throughout the pregnancy and birth. Yeah, I think there's a spectrum of crunchy in the doula yes. world, of course. And and you want to find someone who aligns with where you lie on that. And so it's important to interview a few doulas. I think the most important thing is a personality match. You want to feel comfortable with the person yep. that you choose. So doulas are experts on birth. We know all about physiological birth and about medicated birth and hospital birth. I actually find my hospital clients need even more information so I they so can agree. navigate the system that maybe isn't always set up with their experience at the forefront of what's important. Yeah. Um, so what do you tell your clients? They say, well, when is a good time to get a doula? Because for me, I mean, as soon as you're pregnant, you should hire a doula because you're paying them a flat fee, right? So the longer you have them, the better. You're getting more information from them. I mean, I call myself a Sherpa, right? You wouldn't hike the Himalayan mountains without a Sherpa. You shouldn't be navigating pregnancy and birth without a guide. And a doula is that guide. Yeah, I think, you know, I think most people probably hire in the second trimester. And I think that can be a good time. Sometimes people are nervous in the first trimester. Do I want to pay this amount of money? What if my pregnancy doesn't make it to birth? That's a valid concern. I think the second trimester is a sweet spot. But of course, I've had last minute clients as well. But the sooner you hire your doula, the more time you have for relationship building. And usually in your birth, especially hospital birth, your doula is the only person that's going to be known to you there. Um, Your nurse is going to be a stranger to you. And you may have multiple nurses at your birth because they work 12-hour shifts. Mm -hmm. And many OBGYNs these days work in a group where they share call with sometimes up to seven other doctors. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, and you you just never know. So, yeah, I mean, that is that one consistent person. Um, I mean, I interview people in the first trimester and I say, hey, if you like me, let's just keep talking. And then when you hit the second trimester, let's sign a contract and develop a rapport. Um, once you hire a doula, you're kind of set. I mean, we're like your concierge service. Like we're going to get you all the information for anything you need. And if we don't know the information, we have a community of birth workers that's going to, someone's going to have that information. So you're never doing anything alone. I mean, I'm not going to go over to, I mean, I've had many beautiful single parents and I love supporting them, um, but they know I'm not going to be the person to go over there and watch a movie with them. 
Um, you know, we have set prenatals and stuff, but I'm always going to be a constant resource and someone they can text or email or call if they have questions or concerns. I mean, that's what we do as doulas. Exactly. I tell my clients that I let them set the tone for how much communication they'd like to have with me. And I've had clients who are highly anxious who text me close to every day. Mm -hmm. And then I have other clients who I only hear from once in a while. And all of that is fine with me. I'm not the type of doula who initiates a ton of contact with my clients because I think sometimes family members can kind of get annoying with that, especially at the end of pregnancy. Yeah. You know, is the baby here yet? So I let my clients reach out to me when they need support. And we can help you stay off of Dr. Google, right? Oh, I hate Dr. Google. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. Um, you diagnose yourself with everything and then some. Exactly. So we can help point you to evidence-based information. We can guide you back to your care provider if it's not something that we can really answer. Um, we can ask our community. And doulas are also bridges to other forms of care. Right? Absolutely. So we keep a detailed referral list of all kinds of other people you might benefit from knowing in your pregnancy and postpartum, like chiropractors, acupuncture, therapy, pelvic floor therapy, mm -hmm. um, nutritionists, yoga, all of the things, baby and me classes. Um, yeah. Everything and then some. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously we're doulas and we suggest you hiring a doula, but that's not in everyone's budget. And some people just don't feel like it's the right choice for them. Yes. So what can we suggest to, you know, the parenting community um, that doesn't want a doula? I think they still have a lot of options. Definitely. I think having other friends who have had babies within the last couple of years can be a huge resource, resource to just normalize um, pregnancy and postpartum. Another thing you'd want to think about is like, who, who's going to be your support during birth, right? Mm -hmm. So you might choose your own mother or your father or a cousin or a sister, a good friend. I have a friend who was a single parent by choice, and she was choosing a close friend as her birth companion. And I wasn't in her budget, but we decided to just have a, about a two hour meeting where I charged, you know, nominal fee. Mm -hmm. And I was able to show her friend some hands on comfort measures, built in a little bit of childbirth ed, Taking a childbirth ed class is a great idea oh, for yeah. any pregnant person. Absolutely. The more you know about the birth process, the more empowered of an experience you can have. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I will say this, though. There's a lot of different childbirth education courses, and there's some wonderful free ones on YouTube or any social media platform. Even hospitals offer them. But I will give you a warning about hospital classes. And I'm not saying they're bad at all, so no one come at, at me for this. But you wouldn't go to a car dealership and learn how to buy a car from the car dealership. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So take the information, the evidence, and then also kind of do some more digging because you do have certain rights and stuff that they're not going to go over. So, I mean, it's a good free class, but I would definitely dig a little deeper, maybe with some books, maybe join some communities online. There's a lot of stuff that you can search out for free that will help you during your pregnancy and afterwards. Yeah, there's so many childbirth educators and doulas and even labor and delivery nurses that are making content on Instagram, oh, yeah. YouTube, TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, there's also lots of kinds of childbirth education classes, right? I teach one that's like a well-rounded class called preparing for birth, but there's other ones that are about specific birthing methods. like hypnobirthing or hypnobabies or the Bradley method. And some of those are more geared on actually coping with labor. Yeah, absolutely. And also different methods of of just meditation, like hypnobirthing, things like that. Exactly. Um, it just depends on, you know, what you envision for your birth. I mean, there's different options. Um, I mean, sky's the limit. There are so many classes and social media platforms. But the one thing I will say in the same breath is be careful what you're listening to. 
during pregnancy, it is not the time to listen to other people's birth stories, especially negative ones. People love to tell horror stories to pregnant people. I ugh. I recommend surrounding yourself with positivity and consuming positive birth content. The reality is not every birth is going to be beautiful and perfect. Some no. births are brutal. Yeah. And, and that could happen to you. But you want to protect your sort of sacred space. And I think pregnancy is a time to start learning to advocate for your child. It's really your first opportunity to be a parent and to advocate. And a lot of parenting, and I tell this to all my clients, is instinctual. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all people always say there's no book on how to raise a child. There, there is. There, there's hundreds, mm-hmm. and um, there's a full spectrum from you know intense sleep training to attachment parenting. Yep. And the reality is, most most people fall somewhere in the middle. And so I think it's important to listen to what feels right for you and to start really trusting that inner voice. And I mean, I think that's the most amazing thing about being single and pregnant because you're not having to negotiate or talk to the partner about like what their beliefs are, what they want to do. Like this is all on you. Like, and I'm not saying this way to make it stressful, but how amazing is it that your way or the highway, like that's it, whatever you choose as the pregnant person is what you want and you deserve to get that. That's right. You get to have autonomy and really lean into what feels best for you as a parent. I love that. I mean, and honestly, like the single parents that I have supported, blow me away. So strong. Yes. So strong. Amazing. And just have this amazing community that they have created for themselves. So I think it's really important that you develop that community, get that village going early on the pregnancy and just develop it throughout the whole pregnancy and even postpartum period, which we'll get into. But I think it's really important that we talk about birth preferences and having a birth plan. Birth plans, right? So what is a birth plan? It is not um, an outline of how your birth will go. Birth is one of the last things in our world that is unpredictable. You don't get to decide when you go into labor, how many hours your labor will take. A birth plan is a way of becoming aware of what your choices are. If you don't know what your options are, you're not going to have any. You're just going to get whatever they give you. Yep. And that's why it's so important to do your education and work with a doula or take those classes prior to developing your birth preferences. So you know what your options are. And obviously, like Lauren, what you're saying is, you know, birth isn't something that you can fully plan. It can be unexpected. It can go sideways quickly. Um, it's definitely not linear. Um, so just having an idea of what you want and sharing those with your community, whoever's going to be supporting you, as well as your medical providers, as well as your nurses, gives everyone that idea like, look, you're educated. You know what you want and what you don't want. Now, of course, those nurses and doctors are going to come back with, okay, but if this happens, then that will change. And obviously, you want what's best for you and the baby safety-wise. And that's why you've chosen your doctor and your hospital and your medical providers, if it's a midwife, to protect you and your baby to make sure you're safe. But you do have options. Yeah. So you want to be flexible on your birth plan, but it's a way of communicating what you desire in your ideal situation. And so it might start with something like one sentence, summing it up. I would like to have a physiological normal birth, or I would like the support of an epidural in active labor. And then you're going to go down and talk about what you want during labor, during mm-hmm. birth in the pushing phase and during the uh, first few moments postpartum. So some of the things you might think about are fetal monitoring, having your water broken, pain relief. Um, and there's so many options and ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. You you don't have to just do it the way they think you should do it. You can talk to them about your wishes and come to an agreement. 
Yeah, exactly. There's ways to create compromises. Absolutely. And there's lots of great birth plan tools on the internet. There's a wonderful app called Motherboard Birth. Mm -hmm. I love Motherboard because um, it, you can click through all the risks and benefits of each yep. different intervention. I decide, right? Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a, a tool you can share with your care provider. And it's a really good informational tool as well as creating a fun like visual um, birth plan. Um, but you can also just type up your own or your doula can. Yeah, your I doula. do for my clients. That's so nice of you. I don't like the visuals. I'm I'm special that way. I just I, I you'd rather know. read it. Yeah, I'd rather read it. But I do see the benefit in just the pictures because it's kind of like caveman. Like you know, I want to sit like this. Yeah. You know, and then you do it. It's easy to see, right? There's different um, learning styles. Yeah, it is recommended to keep your birth plan to about one page. Yes, you want your nurse and doctor to actually read it and not just roll their eyes and brush it off. There can be some stigma. Um, red flag, red flag. Yeah. So if you do have a nurse or a doctor, especially doctor that you are seeing on the regular and that they raise their eyebrow or roll their eyes, I would say, please consider switching because this is something that's really important that you're expressing what you want for your birth. You've worked very hard for this. At least it should be an open conversation to dis discuss things. But if they roll their eyes and poo-poo the whole idea, that is a huge red flag. It definitely is. You need to reflect on how you feel after those interactions. And it's important to know what the standard of care is in hospital and out of hospital birth. What things do they give to everyone? What can you opt out mm -hmm. of? Will you have to sign a form if you opt out of something? Yeah. And so a doula or a childbirth educator is a great resource for that. But there's tons of free resources mm -hmm. on the internet as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, write down your your preferences. Make a couple of co uh, copies. Um, give one to your doctor. Mm -hmm. Go over it. I would say 36 weeks is a good time to bring it to your doctor. Have one for your support person so they're aware of your wishes. And that's really important, too, because let's be real. When you're in labor, you're not going to be in the mindset to speak up for yourself and do all these things because you're going to go within and try and just get through those surges. Exactly. In fact, our brain waves slow down during labor and we're in this more primitive part of our brain. And that's where coping happens with birth. If you have to be in your thinking brain, giving and getting a lot of information and making a lot of choices, it takes you out of the sp space where coping happens. And so having those conversations ahead of time, and like we said before, knowing what your doctor typically does in birth can help you ahead of time because you don't want a battle in the delivery room or a ton of surprises. You want to know how do they handle the third stage, the birth of the placenta. You yeah. want to have those conversations ahead of time if you can. Yeah. And even if you have them, sometimes, you know, the doctor's not going to remember everything that you went over and nurses switch. So it's just really important that whoever you have, they're supporting you just be on their toes with everything to make sure that your wishes are being followed. And if they're not, ask why. There is an acronym, an acronym that I love to use with my clients and it's called BRAIN. Yes. BRAIN is something that you could, you could use in life in general with anything, but BRAIN in the birth setting is what are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the, what are the alternatives? What is your intuition saying? And N, what if you do nothing? Exactly. And I love that intuition comes up in brain because it comes back to intuition so much with your pregnancy. What feels right to you? Absolutely. Because if something doesn't jive with what you wanted, um, speak up. You know, it's it's not the time to sit back and let something just happen. I mean, this is your birth. You're not going to have this birth again. I mean, you might have a second child, but you're never going to have that first child again. That's it. Exactly. And, you know, your birth is a momentous occasion. People remember how they were treated in their birth forever. People, women have really strong memories of their birth, even decades later. Sometimes people who see birth every day 
I feel I've noticed this is a doula a bit that they can lose their reverence for it a little bit. It's mm-hmm. just another shift for them. They might see multiple births every shift. And for you, this is maybe a once in a lifetime experience or maybe twice. Yeah. Um, or, you know, sometimes a few more times, but, you know, not that many. Right. And so the way that you're made to feel on that day is really important. And I think that if you feel like you had some autonomy over your care and that you were an active decision maker in the processes and different interventions, you can have a positive birth experience no matter how your baby exits your body. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, I would say whoever you do choose to have in your birthing room, make sure they have jobs like advocating for you, speaking up when something doesn't seem right, making sure they know um, what your requests are and taking pictures. Yes. I always take pictures of my clients. It's my favorite thing. Uh, there's also professional birth photography. Yeah. That's a big expense, yeah, um, it is. which I know, you know, finances are a big concern for everyone, maybe even more so single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least some pictures on, on your phone, you want to be in that moment when yeah. you meet your baby. So having someone else designated to snap a few photos is really important. Definitely. And, and I don't want you know, take just taking random pictures is great. I know people like don't get me in labor, don't get me from the waist down stuff, yeah. which is great. You can delete pictures afterwards. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'll regret having them. I've no. had some clients who preferred more of a from the head up approach, and I always respect their wishes. Yeah. Um, but mo- most people enjoy having that later on, and you might not be ready to look at it right away, but eventually you might enjoy that. Absolutely. I do want to talk about cesarean birth. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a good idea to have a birth plan for cesarean mm-hmm. too. Nobody can educate their way into a birth outcome. Nope. Even doulas have cesarean sometimes. Yeah, I've right? had two. Yeah, exactly. So cesareans happen. And so becoming aware of what some of your options are for cesarean birth ahead of time can help you cope better if your birthing takes a turn where a cesarean becomes necessary. Absolutely. And I think that does lead us into talking about postpartum support. If you have a cesarean birth, you might need even more support during the postpartum period because you will be recovering from major surgery and it can be hard to get in and out of bed. When you're thinking about your birth partner, you also want to think about the days in the hospital after. Yeah. Um, and you might need someone to spend the night there with you. And that could be something that a postpartum doula might do. Typically, yeah. a birth doula is going to leave within a few hours after the birth. But make sure you have a friend or someone that can help you. Those first few days can be pretty challenging. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about postpartum in general because yeah. I think it's really important. I think a lot of people plan so much for their birth and the postpartum period is kind of overlooked. And I have to say, being a birth and postpartum doula, I really think this postpartum period isn't talked about enough and I really want to focus on it here because it is so important, especially as a single person in today's day that we have support and so it needs to be arranged, right? And I will say this, I would hire someone. You can expect your friends and family to be there, but sometimes they have their own life. Well, they always have their own life and things you know, they can be pulled away. But if you hire someone, you're paying them to come in and support you. And that's why I love what I do, because I'm coming in. It's my job to take care of the person. 
Exactly. So my postpartum care is mother-centered care. Mm -hmm. And so what that looks like for me is making sure that the the birthing person's needs are met. So um, has she eaten? Um, Has she slept? Is there food in the house? Yeah. Is there food in the house? (laughs) Does she need a nap? You know, I help keep the kitchen running. I do some cleaning. I do some laundry. And of course I help with the baby Mm -hmm. as well, but I'm not coming in as a nanny to take over care. I want to empower my um, clients to feel like they're the best person to care for their yep. baby, but parents need breaks. And I also talk a lot about where newborns are biologically. Newborn yeah. babies do not want to be put down. They they cry every time that you pick them up. Yeah. And or sorry, no, that I messed up. They cry every time you put them down. And <laughs> <I missed laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, don't if your baby's crying every time you pick it up, there's some other some, issues there. Yeah. But newborn <laughs> babies don't like being put down. And that's normal. And so we want to build up support around the mother so she can meet her baby where they are biologically. Sometimes uh, a mom needs a break. Yeah. And, you know, know, earlier, like, go to social media, get your information. But in the same respect, like, you already know how to be a parent. And it's going to come out during these first few weeks of life. And I don't want people to be so overwhelmed by social media and what you see, because what you're seeing is the beautiful side. It's rare that you're seeing the other side, the, you know, the dark and dirty side of being a new parent. Um, It's hard. It's not easy at all. And that's why I love having someone there that is, you know, educated. I'm a, I'm a postpartum doula as well as a newborn care specialist Mm -hmm. and a new parent educator. So not only am I there doing all the chores, like you said, although I think you probably cook better than me because she really makes a mean charcuterie platter. She's really good. Although Um, that's not really cooking. I can open plastic and put something in the microwave. But um, it's just really important to get that education for the first couple of weeks to like, you know, support what they're doing. Um, And like you said, you know, we want to mother the mother or or we want to mother the or mother. Yeah, the birthing parent. Mm -hmm. Um, They need that care because you are you too are being born. It's not just that baby. Yes. A new version of yourself is being born in birth. Birth is transformative and you're going to come out the other side of it um, exhausted, uh-huh. but also stronger, um, tapping into a strength that you may have not known that you had. And um, you might be very sleep deprived. So just like developing a birth plan, developing a plan for postpartum mm-hmm. is really important. Not everybody can hire a postpartum doula. And so you want to think about um, what are your immediate postpartum needs? The first one is going to be food. So set up a meal train or have, if you belong to a church or a temple, or you just have a great group of friends, set up that meal train. This is not the time to feel like you're being selfish or needy. Nope. This is the time to ask for it all. Yes. We were talking before we started um, recording about how postpartum is a season of receiving in your life. There are seasons of giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. You've probably done nice things for some of your friends and there are people willing to help you, but sometimes they don't know how. A lot of people come over and they want to hold your baby. We're talking about holding the mother. And Mm -hmm. so um, food is a big concern, obviously cleaning, uh, you know, taking care of the dishes or the father, fathering the father, fathering the father. Mm -hmm. That's right. And there's definitely fathers who are single parents as well. Um, Yeah. And so having a list of of what people can help with is really helpful. So thinking about meals, about running errands, about cleaning, about support with your child, maybe support with older children or pets, making a little list of ways that people can support you can help them do a better job of meeting your needs. And that might look like your mom coming and helping Grandmas can be notorious baby hogs. I yeah. warn all my clients about this. So if one's going to come over, just know it. Maybe it's time for you to take a shower. Yeah. Like, do the things that you need to do without holding your baby, so your your grandmother or your mother can hold the baby. 
But other than that, the baby should be on your chest. Yeah. And, you know, give people tasks. People want to help. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you just have to sort of explain to them what you need. But when you're sleep deprived and you've been trying to nurse all night, you might not be able to articulate those needs in the moment. So assessing your needs ahead of time is paramount. And again, there's lots of resources for finding postpartum plans online. Absolutely. And you were mentioning nights. So let's talk about nights. I just retired from being a overnight doula because that is a tough job on your body, but it is the most rewarding and nice needed job. If you can afford to hire a overnight doula or a newborn care specialist for night care, do it. Yes, it is definitely the service that comes at the most premium price yes. in, in our business. But I think people probably find the most benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a restorative chunk of sleep, even if it's just four hours, can feel life changing for right. a postpartum person. And even if you're breastfeeding, you think, well, I'm going to be up anyways. But you got to remember, you're not just breastfeeding. You're getting the baby changed, you're unswaddling or swaddling, you're getting stuff situated, you're feeding the baby, then you're burping the baby, and then you're possibly changing the baby again. So and then you're, you're doing back all- to sleep. Yes. Yeah. And so then you find yourself sleeping about half an hour. Yes. By the time they're ready for the next feed, it can, you know, sometimes uh, you haven't even fallen back asleep yet. And so what an overnight care person can do is um, bring the baby to you to feed, mm-hmm. and then they take care of all the other stuff. So your time awake is shorter. If you are formula feeding or bottle feeding expressed milk, um, the overnight support can take care of all of it and you can sleep. Although for very early postpartum, you may need to wake and pump if you are um, breastfeeding yeah. because or- newly postpartum people can't go too many hours yeah. without emptying their Engorgement breasts. Engorgement is yeah. real. It's so real and it's not fun. So, yeah. But that's what your doula or your care provider will walk you through. Um, we have all of those resources and even without hiring anyone, there's resources to kind of walk you through um, all of that stuff. But one of the things I, I want to talk about with breastfeeding and, and nights and stuff like that is IBCLCs. Yes, International Board Certified Lactation Consultants. Mm-hmm. They are the gold standard when it comes to breastfeeding. So did you know that many IBCLCs are covered fully by insurance? Yes, if you have a PPO insurance, you might get up to six visits from your lactation consultant for free at no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you can start with prenatals to set you up for success on how you're going to feed your baby. Yes, I actually recommend that my clients make contact with an IBCLC mm-hmm. while they're still pregnant and sort out the insurance part ahead of time. Yeah. If your insurance doesn't cover it, um, you know, the fee is is somewhat affordable. I think it's usually in the range of 200 for an at-home visit. And, and, you know, the hospitals do offer lactation consultants and some have programs to mm-hmm. where you can, you know, work with them on breastfeeding. However, it's a little bit more tedious. You have to go in versus them coming to your house because IBCLCs do a lot of home visits. They do. And in your home is where you want to be after yes. your birth. Like we talked about Kaiser before, they have a program called Great Starts and it's covered. You can go in as many times as you need. But, you know, lugging that newborn baby in a car can be a challenge. Especially when you're healing yourself. Yes. There is a website called thelactationnetwork.com. That is a great site to where you can get your insurance check to see what's covered. And yeah, that. and it's a good resource to find yourself a IBCLC. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody's going to be seeing a pediatrician and I love pediatricians, but they have to know um, a little about a lot and they take care of children for up to 18 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
they they sometimes don't have the best. They don't. Let's advice. be real. Yeah. They don't. They, I'm sorry. <laughs> they never do. Around I'm going to get hospitals and doctors coming after me now. But it's, <laughs> let's be real. Pediatricians are great. They know their medical stuff. But when it comes to breastfeeding and all the, the, the latest and greatest research, it's an IBCLC and your doula. Yeah. Pediatricians are not experts on breastfeeding. No, right? they're not. But yeah, exactly. And and those first few days, are, you're so vulnerable and there's this huge stress of, is my baby having enough wet and dirty diapers? Are they transferring milk effectively? It can be really stressful. So when do you tell your clients to have a lactation consultant visit them? What, what day do you recommend? Well, I'm like you. I recommend they do a prenatal visit mm-hmm. and kind of establish what the care would look like with that IBCLC. But I notify the IBCLC the day the baby's born. Oh, that's fine. So everyone's on board with, you know, texting and things like that. And so then the IBCLC usually reaches out to my clients and mm-hmm. says, hey, checking in. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then they schedule the first visit. But I would say within 40 to 72 hours is a I, good time. I agree. I think days three to five mm-hmm. of your baby's life are notoriously hard for breastfeeding yep. because that's when you're colostrum is changing into what we call mature milk. Some Mm -hmm. people call that the milk coming in. That's kind of an inaccurate description. It's more of a transition that happens. And the latch can change during that time because your breast may become engorged. Um, You know, lactation consultants don't just help with breastfeeding. They also help with bottle feeding parents. If you're a single father, you may be using donor milk or formula. And there are um, right and wrong ways to prepare formula and to feed your baby a bottle. And so a lactation consultant can be a great resource. And even for breastfeeding parents who want to introduce bottles, um, they can help you with the timing of that as well. Absolutely. So we've talked about a lot of stuff today, and it's probably a little bit overwhelming. First thing first, you got this. You are having a baby. It's going to be amazing. Get your community going. Yes, I think community is sort of the the big overarching foundation. Yeah, exactly. If you're a single parent, you're going to need community even more so than, than people who have two parents. Right. So um, I think joining groups with other single parents yeah. is really Facebook important. has a lot of groups. Yes. Just you're going to, uh, you're going to find what you love and you're going to find one you absolutely hate and just jump off of it. You just want to stay steer clear of negativity and, you know, things that don't align with your beliefs. Yes, exactly. There can be some stigma against single parents. And I think we know that um, non-traditional families are becoming more and more common. And yeah. you will be able to find your village. Ignore the haters, right? Don't surround yourself with people who are judgmental of the choices that you make about your life. Absolutely. And if you are interested in looking for a doula, there are plenty of websites and organizations that you can you know, look into to find your perfect doula. There is doulamatch.net, I believe. Yes, yeah. There's a wonderful resource that has third-party reviews on the doulas. I'm on there. You're on there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different organizations you can look. Just put up doula organizations. Yeah, um, I, I'm trained by Best Doula Training. Mm-hmm. Jill is trained by Dona. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, my postpartum training is through Embody Doula and Training. Kappa. Yeah, there's over 100 doula training organizations. Yeah. So you can, you can look into any of them. Yeah. And then when you are picking your doula, just remember, we all have different qualifications and things like that, but you have to imagine who you're going to be in the room with and who you're going to be comfortable with. So what energy are they bringing to your birth? That's what's important when picking a doula. I agree. Whenever I have clients who I know are interviewing with multiple doulas, I say, 
the most important thing is that you feel a warm connection with that person. Absolutely. And, you know, th- speaking of finances, it's okay to hire a brand new doula. Yeah. Brand new doulas sometimes struggle to get their first clients and their only bargaining chip is to charge less money. Yeah. And so if you're struggling with finances, finding a doula who's fresh out of training can be a great option for single parents because all the information is fresh in your doula's mind. She's eager to serve you. And I think that can be a great option for people who are struggling, you know, with all of the things that you have to pay for. Mm-hmm. One other thing is to crowdsource your support. Yeah. Um, we've all been to a lot of baby showers and people get so many onesies and blankets. Uh, that they never use. Babies don't need blankets. Yeah, um, they shouldn't use blankets. Really. Yeah, exactly. So um, there are options for um, like virtual um what am i thinking registries Registries, yeah where people can donate to a birth or postpartum doula or lactation consultant and so that's a really good option because people want to give you gifts that are meaningful there's nothing more meaningful than support right onesies all end up in a landfill eventually yeah i mean also there are companies that bring you food if you know you need that um there's some really good companies out there also um there are organizations that will provide you funding for some of these tools like the victoria project that's right they fund home births for people doulas mm-hmm. um anything to do with home i think even birth center births i mean they, i don't know the details but they do offer funding yes and also there are several birth centers in the los angeles area where we're located that take medi-cal yeah which is our state medicaid program yeah i mean and even if you have medicaid or just regular insurance call your insurance provider and see what's you know what's covered yeah i know for a fact that some of these insurance companies are paying for doulas yes and i've also had clients get reimbursement through their hsa or fsa accounts um, if they have that type of tax free yeah absolutely so what we're saying here is dig deep Mm-hmm. Look into into your resources, tap into it, get yourself prepared, and you're going to have an amazing birth. Yeah, dig deep is a good mantra for birth too. Dig Find deep. that inner strength. Single yes. parents have to rely on themselves a lot. And so remember that self-care and trusting your gut. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks, Jill. It's been a pleasure. Good luck, guys. You're going to do great. Bye. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our single on purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life that's singleonpurpose.life you will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, zoom links to private gathers so if you want to join our community go to singleonpurpose.life thank you for listening be well we hope you tell a friend hey before you go i want to invite you to the single on purpose private community online it's off of social media, no ads, no algorithms. We got forums, we got live groups, we got webinars, and we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life, and I will see you inside.